welcome back to Autism, A New Perspective, the podcast show where we help you understand what is going on in the mind of your child. And we always encourage you that growth for your child is possible. I'm Kat Lee, and in this special podcast, we have a special guest, Dr. Sarah Whalen. Dr. Whalen is a parent and an RDI consultant. And in this podcast, she talks to us about RDI and high school. Let's listen in. We're talking about high school and beyond RDI in your child and preparing our children for adulthood. And I could not be happier uh, having Dr. Sarah Whalen. Sarah is amazing. Uh, many things, but also an RDI consultant and a, a parent with two lovely boys. And both of us uh, have boys that are older. My son's going to be 30. I always feel like I'm in some kind of time machine. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> my gosh. And, um, and, then, and then Sarah has two boys. Sarah, why don't you tell us a little bit uh, about you? Uh, I'm Sarah, and I am an RDI consultant, as Kat said. And um, I live in Maryland, outside of Washington, D.C. I've been a consultant for almost 10 years now. And um, and I uh, I have two boys. Mine are 20 and 24, so we're navigating that transition to um, to adulthood for both of them, and they're definitely both in the transitional stage. So um, this talk is near and dear to my heart. So um, I. I have a business called Guiding Exceptional Parents. I co-founded an online training platform called The Behavior Revolution. And I just finished writing a book called Is This Autism a Guide for Clinicians and Everybody Else? Well, Sarah, I said that you're an RDI consultant and a parent and, and many other things. And boy, was I right, including uh, a <laughs> world famous author. So thank you. This is such an important topic, and I think it's important to hear about from um, as well as consultants, but also parents who have been where you may be or or you're going to be. But one of the things I wanted to start with, Sarah, was that RDI is literally worldwide. We're really excited about the, the takeoff of RDI throughout the world in so many countries. And for that reason, it's really important for us to tell you that we are not telling you what to do or how your child's life should be. Uh, we are thinking about how to live a best life and the independence for your child, whatever you think that should be, whatever you think is key. So this is not us telling you uh, what your child should have to be independent. This is us trying to help you where you are for what you want for your child. And I know from my parents, Sarah, that that really varies from family to family. And I have families uh, in many different countries and they have uh, different visions for their children. And that's what we want to help you meet. Uh, Wherever you are, start there and go from there. Yeah, and I think it's also important, you know, like you said, because it's worldwide, um, the kinds of um, opportunities that are available worldwide are really different and the kinds of support families can get and so on. And that kind of stuff varies so much that it would be silly for us to even talk about it here. But so I like the focus on, you know, what's your vision and, you know, what do you, you know, what kinds of things do you want your child to be able to do and how do you, how do you get there? 
Well, and we're also talking about high school, but really this is a good discussion that applies to all ages. So much of the time when I'm talking to parents, particularly new parents, and they may have an older child or even an adult uh, that needs RDI services, you know, we don't really talk about age. We talk about uh, where one may be in the guiding relationship, uh, and uh, where has one been, what is the history, there's just so much there. So we're hesitant to talk about age, but we know uh, that schooling is a part of bringing up children. And as they do age into high school uh, and, and beyond, this is a discussion and one that parents need, need to discuss. So we wanted to acknowledge that to you. And then we, you know, we would love to see across the world, uh, principals of schools, uh, teachers, everyone embrace what we what we want to do with RDI toward independence. But we know realistically uh, that what we're talking about today will mostly be done starting at home. Uh, that being said, we always encourage you, encourage our clients to talk to our schools or help you with that about the potential of implementing these principles at school because it is there. But we do find that this generally does start at home, don't we, Sarah? And then we just have to work within our particular schooling framework. And that is very true uh, in, in across the world. So that is something all parents seem to have in common, trying to figure out how to have these principles transferred, Sarah. Yeah, and, and you know, the idea that um, you know, what we're trying to teach our kids is how to think flexibly and, you know, problem solve regardless of what what the world presents to them. And, and that's really the foundation of what we're trying to get across here is, is how to help our kids be dynamic and flexible thinkers. So as we visit this time, we're not going to spend a lot of time on academics, but we wanted to say that they are certainly important. And if your, your child struggles with academics, uh, you know that that will impact their lives. And of course they need help with that. I know in my case, my son definitely needed help with that. Uh, one of the things that I wanted to encourage parents with was if you have an older student who has struggled academically to try to work with your school to continue their learning in the basics, the things they need to be able to get by. Uh, reading, writing, basic math, those things. And sometimes, and I know so many of my clients have talked to me about this and friends, that when their uh, teenagers get to that age, so to speak, there stops being an emphasis on that. So I believe that progress can continue to be made. And so we didn't want to leave academics behind uh, because it is important it, we're going to go on and talk about things that are going to be really important to moving your child forward. But we didn't we didn't want to not talk about that. You could actually spend a whole hour just on applying RDI to academics. But I did, for those who had that question, we wanted to answer it, Sarah. Yep. Yep. And the other was communication. Another thing Sarah and I could just talk about and, and hopefully will at some point. But if your child struggles with communication and we listed some things here, speaking, comprehending what's being said to them. In my son's case, that's been an obstacle that he's been overcoming throughout his 30 years um, and still is doing that, which is fantastic. 
but you know we've had to continue to work on that. So we understand if you have uh, an adult, a teenager who's having trouble with these things, that these are things that you feel passionately about, they feel passionately about, that it's a good thing to want to continue to work on them. Why am I saying this about academics and communication? And the reason, Sarah, I wanted to talk about it first is sometimes my parents are really discouraged uh, by, I know well-meaning people who just think that they need to know that, well, if they're not at this age doing this or this age doing that, uh, well, they, they probably just can't learn it. And I have definitely found that is not true. Uh, one of the things I love about RDI is the individualized approach, and I have found amazing things um, have occurred when these things were pursued. So we wanted to start off that way, so you knew we knew these things were of value, Sarah. Um, now, we are going to spend a little time here, Sarah, because life skills and work skills are important, and that can start at home and at school. And you helped me and really compiled this list for us. Um, and when I looked over it, I just thought every one of these things is so important. How did you come to just pare it down to this? Because this is a perfect list. <laughs> I actually went to an assessment. Um, I think it was called the is it ABAS or um, it's, it's one of these adaptive functioning um, assessments, and I just looked at the areas on the assessment tool and pulled them out. So that's how I, that's how I did it. But, um, but yeah, these are, these are things. And, boy, I'll tell you, as my kids graduated from school, I mean, all of these issues became increasingly clearly important. Like, I knew they were important when they were young, but as my kids got older, then I, I started realizing how important they were. And now that they have both graduated, um, you know, we're, we're actually continuing to teach all of these things, um, you know, to help them uh, get better at, at all of them. And all of them are challenging in their own way. So, you know, I do find that, I don't know what it is, but something about high school kind of brings these into sharper focus. And then as your kids graduate and move into the real world, then um, it's definitely important. You notice how, how important things like taking a shower regularly or, you know, knowing how to load and unload the dishwasher or how to vacuum the floor or the healthcare one is definitely one that I neglected um, with my older son. I did not neglect him with my younger son because I learned. But, you know, the, the idea that he has to, um, you know, go to the doctor, he has to make appointments. Um, and, you know, he, 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 my younger son definitely is not to the point that he makes appointments independently. My older son totally does that. And he manages it all himself, manages his prescriptions, manages taking his medications, uh, manages going to the doctor, making the appointments and all that stuff and transportation to and from. Um, and, um, you know, the showing up on time and doing as you are asked, I actually, I think I, I grabbed that one because I have been working on that with both my kids quite a bit. Um, and it's, it's definitely a challenge to figure out, like, what do you need? Um, how, how do you show up on time? Why is it 
important. You know, my younger son used to get so mad about the bus every single morning. He'd get so mad the bus was there and, you know, he would, he would put everything off till the, till the last minute. Well, now I'm like, okay, we got to go to the dentist, you know, or you have a job interview. And he, uh, um, he, is definitely starting to understand that you can't keep people waiting. Like that's actually a really important life skill. And also doing what your supervisor or coworkers want you to do as long as it's consistent with what your supervisor thinks you should be doing. But, you know, just, just doing what people need you to do is another really important life skill. And if you're always arguing with your supervisor, that's not going to go well for you. Um, and so, or if you just don't do what you're supposed to do because you're doing something else, that's, that's going to be a problem. Um, and then just basic work tasks, you know, the kinds of things we do um, to, uh, you know, to, that are important with our job, staying organized, you know, delivering things on time, things like that. And then our work environment, you know, how, whether it's a good environment for us, some kids love being outdoors, some kids love um, you know, being, you know, can't deal with hot weather and need to be inside where it's air conditioned more, you know, things like that. Fluorescent lighting, good for some, not so good for others, you know, so there's all kinds of things to be thinking about here. And one of the things that struck me while you was, were talking is, you know, each one of these, your child, uh, whatever the age could be at a different place. Like for some of you, healthcare may be just being willing to go to the doctor and be examined or the dentist and have a good, <laughs> a good look. In fact, <laughs> I know I have friends who don't want to go to the dentist. I might be one of them of my, I might be one of my own friends. Um, so even that, just being able to do that can be something that you need to work on that that's been hard. And, and as a parent, when these things are hard, they're hard. So we totally understand that. But it's good to just just start, even if you have to break it down into the smallest thing, I think. Um, oh, Kat, you know, you just, the dentist thing is actually so important. I have a client whose son um, has really big sensory issues. And so she's been working on getting him comfortable going to the dentist. And so once a week, they go to the dentist. He goes into the waiting room, they wait, they go into the back and the dentist will do things like, you know, smile at him and then walk out of the room. And then the next time they go in and the dentist will just tap his teeth and then they go out of the room. And, and they've been doing this for many months um, just to get him to the point that he feels okay about going to the dentist. And that will serve him very well because dental um, issues are actually a real problem in uh, people with developmental disabilities because quite frankly, it's a sensory nightmare. <laughs> and so helping our kids cope with that overwhelm on something that's such a really important, um, uh, you know, part of, of uh, healthcare. You know, it's just one example. I mean, we had to work really hard, for example, getting my son being able to tolerate blood draws. And he's really good at it now, but it was a long road. <laughs> so and wherever you are, it's it's good to try to start. I think that's one of the things we wanted to say is um, it's not too late uh, and it's good to try. I I uh, have seen people starting chores with their children so, so young. I mean, all their children, you know, and I felt like I didn't start that early enough with my kids. 
Um, and so, <laughs> you know, and I don't know why, like, I don't know why I just, I, 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 I don't know if I'm too efficient. I would be like, I should be having them wash their own clothes, you know, that kind of thing. So we're all different people. We all have different personalities. So sometimes we have to make ourselves look at a list like this and go, yeah, I shouldn't be doing that. I need to be helping my child learn to do that for themselves. Um, and that takes a lot of reflection without judgment because we have so many things to go to, to go over, to, to think about, to study for our children. And sometimes these things just don't, just don't hit the spotlight for us. And so that's what we wanted to do for you just to be thinking about them. Just to riff on that, um, the chores thing was actually the very first thing that I started doing when my family started doing RDI. So we, you know, we were using chores as uh, the context where we were practicing the various skills that we were trying to learn. Um, and my kids were very willing to do it because I kept saying, you know, when you live on your own, you're going to need to know how to wash the hand dishes or you're need to, you're going to need to know how to fix dinner. So they were, you know, you're going to have to know how to do your own laundry. And, uh, you know, they were all in because they liked the idea of being able to live in their own place. So I think that's, that's uh, so important. And you're right. So many of these things we can be focusing on the process in RDI but still accomplish some things uh, in chores. And, and, and I, I can remember a, a mom that I worked with very early as a consultant had two boys and she'd worked on her guiding relationship with them. And one of the things that she was able to guide them in was laundry. And when a couple of years later, when things were uh, much different, um, and I was talking to her, I asked about the boys. She goes, oh, they're both folding the, they, uh, they're folding the laundry right now. It'll be all done by, <laughs> She, she had, they, they had learned this as a skill too. It wasn't her goal at all. Uh, but and, mm -hmm. and I thought these things are true. Uh, they can help. It, it's not, we always said it's not about the dishwasher. It's about the process, but that, but right. are you wonderful in these things. Yeah. Yeah. So other wonderful things can be thinking about when you think about your child's best life, you want them have things they enjoy and can do well that they they can go do if they want to do them and this is such a short list and I could definitely be adding to it even even today I was thinking of more um, and before I talk about my son because this was the area I wanted to talk about him um, you know in the first 12 years of his life we didn't have RDI and we were in behavior analytic work but really we started a lot of just guiding without having the guiding principles, but trying to figure out how to do that pretty early with him um, because we were finding he had a lot of fears of things that as a family, we weren't going to be able to do together. So you just have to kind of take your own time machine back for 28 years. So we, we got in that and we went back. There just weren't a lot of services or helpful things where I live in the Dallas-Fort Worth area or I think many places and uh, so we just kind of had to figure things out for ourselves. So for example, he was really frightened of rides. Um, he, he, like, you know, the little grocery store rides that you put a quarter in, you know, those kind of things, they just terrified him. Um, and we really wanted as a family 
to be able to enjoy amusement parks. Both Brian and I are adult kids ourselves, and uh, we enjoy them. Uh, sorry for those of you who are picturing us childishly, but we do. And uh, we always thought we would do this with our children. We'd already taken our daughter once to Disneyland. So, um, but mostly you just know your child can't function in life if every time wherever they go and there's a little quarter ride, they're gonna be scared to death. So exactly. So we started working on that when he was really young. And I just wanted to tell you as part of my tips, you know, don't exclude permanently those things that are an obstacle for your child. You can work on them with just noticeable differences. And that's actually what we did, but we didn't know that at the time. So what we worked on was just like going in the door where there was when you guys may be cracking up at visualizing this with a, a little guy, but going in the door and being in there and that being okay, approaching and that being okay, putting our hand on it, not forcing, but just putting our hand on, putting the money in it, seeing it go, eventually sitting in it without it going. <laughs> I mean, we just worked through those just noticeable differences for him and Today, the biggest problem I have at an amusement park is do I really want to go on a roller coaster with eight loops? I mean, that's that's today, all these years later. But what I wanted to say is sometimes folks feel, and understandably, because as a mom, I get this, you know, well, they don't like it, so I don't want to make them do it. But what we do in RDI with just noticeable differences is it making. It's providing those little opportunities, and it really is effective. So, uh, and that can be in anything. I know I, I put athletics, hobbies, music. Um, and sometimes like, I don't know about you guys, but if I don't know how to do something, I may not kind of want to do it. Like, I don't know. I don't know if I want to do that or not. That's just being a human being. But then once you start doing it and you actually kind of get past that, you can start to enjoy it. And so I really encourage you to try to think of it that way. Um, I have three students right now off the top of my head who started musical instruments. Uh, these students are all have obstacles in their lives uh, that would make definitely make people think they would not be doing this, <laughs> but they actually are really, three of them don't know each other, all doing different, but they are really enjoying it. How? Just step-by-step, step, just noticeable differences, getting used to it, and then seeing if, if it's something that they're going to be able to enjoy. Some people don't enjoy playing instruments, Sarah, and that's okay, but it's, it's nice to have that exposure. So I wanted to tell you all that because I do understand um, how hard it can be if you kind of think, oh, I'll teach my child this, and then they have a reaction like my son did to the, <laughs> to the little rides. Um, but it doesn't mean we can't do it. It just means we need to take our time. And Sarah, did you have any thoughts? I do. I always do. Um, <laughs> yeah, I was just thinking about your example with the musical instruments. I, I think music lessons are just naturally scaffolded in that just right challenge kind of way. And, you know, I don't know about you, like I, I actually play violin and um, part of what was so motivating for me about that when I was learning with my teachers. I loved my teachers so much, you know, and I would do anything to, you know, make them proud or happy or whatever. And so, um, and so, you know, I just thinking about this, like my older son plays piano and his, his music teacher was such a 
um, you know, just such a wonderful support and a mentor for him. So, you know, they really had that guiding relationship. And it was it was beautiful and cooking, you know, you put cooking on here. And, um, you know, with cooking, I, uh, my kids have been cooking dinner, everybody in our house cooks dinner one night a week now. And um, because of that, my kids are really exploring what it means to be the person who's putting the, the whole meal together, right? And something that actually happened recently that I thought was such a good thing, my younger son's very picky eater. And so we're always trying to figure out like, what can we cook that he'll enjoy too? Um, and sometimes we give up and we're just like, okay, we're making you mac and cheese and the rest of us will have something else. And, um, but, uh, but for him, he wanted to make his brother a dinner that his brother would really, really enjoy last week. And he made this dinner and his brother didn't actually like it all that much. And he was kind of rude about it. <laughs> and he really hurt his brother's feelings. And then his brother, um, you know, so then Oliver was feeling terrible and he was really sad. And my other son, you know, it was a teaching moment. I was like, you know, he worked really hard on that. And he really wanted you to like it. And the fact that you didn't like it, like made him really sad. So, you know, you might want to tell him that you appreciate how much he tried, even though it didn't work out. And it was such a good teaching moment um, for for both of them, truly. Like, it was good for my younger son, who's so picky, to experience what that's like when you're trying to cater to somebody and it doesn't work. Because, boy, I feel like I'm doing that every day with him. And, <laughs> uh, and then it was also good for my other son to just realize that when people are making an effort, you should, you know, acknowledge that, even if you don't necessarily like the outcome. It's just so great because it's just opportunity upon opportunity just within cooking. So it's more than just about cooking. So it's very, it's, it's very wonderful. It's very great. Um, I think lay these foundations where you can. And if you haven't laid some of them, that's okay. You can start now. You can try to work with a school to do this. Um, I did want to say that the guiding relationship is key. We think Sarah mentioned it in music. We think it's important uh, to have that guiding relationship in place. So if you're still still in the beginning, you're still struggling with this for whatever reason, or there are obstacles, then it's not necessarily about the cooking or the music or the athletics. It can be just about that guiding relationship and that you might need some help with that. And then of course, in RDI, promoting growth seeking is key because if I'm interested in growth as a student, then I'm interested in figuring out uh, and learning about these other things. I may not, I, I can only draw stick figures. You're probably not going to get me really into art as much as I would like to be better. <laughs> I, I understand my limitations, but being exposed is something, and wanting to be exposed is something we work on for growth seeking. And I think that's one of the reasons at times that students aren't involved in some of these things is because actually that growth seeking isn't turned on yet. And once it is, then they're, they're able to think about these other things, Sarah. So uh, we just thought it was important to, to, when you think about life, and I didn't put on here things like going to the movies, you know, uh, that's something that doesn't seem like a skill to sit there and be entertained by Brad Pitt or whoever, but um, it actually kind of is. <laughs> because there's sensory issues, there's food issues, there's length issues. 
I don't like a movie over two hours unless it's Lord of the Rings. So there's an issue. <laughs> so so there's there is something there. Those kind of things also count as well, Sarah. Oh, movie watching was actually something we did have to very, you know, you were talking about the, you know, the riding the ride outside of the, the grocery store. Movies were a big deal for us. Like my, so what would happen with my kids is they get very overwhelmed by emotional scenes in the movies. You know, they, they'd get very, you know, some big emotional thing, the music would swell and they'd both run out of the room <laughs> and they wouldn't come back. And so we had to like very carefully choose the movies and warn them when it was coming and talk about how we were going to handle the big emotions. And it took a long time to get them to the point where they could tolerate the discomfort mm. of, you know, some big emotional moment oh. um, and stay in the room with us. And we certainly haven't done a lot of movies in the theater with them because because they do want to run out and then they're trapped in the movie theater and that's not a good thing for anybody <laughs> we watch a lot of movies at home but we are carefully you know it's just what you said like you're you're doing just noticeable differences and gradually building up on the skills um and i love your tip here cat where you said don't exclude permanently those things that are an obstacle for your child because kids do grow and change and adults grow and change there are things I do now that I never would have done in my 20s, you know, and so, so, you know, there's just, there's, there's a lot of growth that can happen. And just because it was true when your kid was four doesn't mean it's going to be true when they're 10 or, you know, 15 or 21. It's so true. Uh, it sounds kind of like a joke, but it's actually true. I, I used to hate mustard and hate onions, and now I can't do without them. So we change. And um, that's like neither good nor bad, but it's just interesting to me. So we, we, we think we won't like something and then something changes. And, and, and so I think, I think it's uh, a really beautiful thing to think about. It's actually very encouraging, very encouraging. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. we want to ensure you're working towards independence. Um, this is a big theme for us in RDI. Dr. Gutstein and Dr. Sheely are passionate about this. And um, this is a really beautiful slide that little things uh, can lead to those big things. Um, I think one of the things I want to spotlight, Sarah, was that no matter how small the moment of independence, try to let them have that. Uh, and that tiny moment can, can be opening the door to much bigger moments, Sarah. Um, there's just so much to say about this. Yeah, and you know, one of the things that's important about this is that those little tiny moments of, so I, I think one of the things that helped me understand this concept was I didn't really understand that some of the challenges my kids faced were just too big for them, right? It was just, it was too much for them to navigate. And they got a lot of feedback um, that, uh, that challenge is too big and I don't do well with big challenges. And so they would just give up, you know, especially my younger son. My older son was pretty good about that. But my younger son, he like, you know, if he made a mistake on his worksheet or something, he'd crumple it up and throw it away and then he would refuse to do it. Um, and so 
what I had to learn is that, you know, if he was having that kind of reaction and refusing to do something, it might be because it's not a just noticeable difference. It's a big challenge for him. And I needed to back it off. So it was the right level of challenge for him. Um, And it, it took me a while to really understand that just because I thought it wasn't a big deal, for him, it probably was a big deal because that's what he was trying to tell me by having trouble doing it. But the other thing that happens is over time, if our kids keep facing challenges they can't master, after a while, they just give up. They're like, I can't do this. It's like everything I try to do, it doesn't work. But if you have lots and lots of these little wins, then over time, you start feeling like, oh, this is new and different. It's a little, you know, I haven't really thought about this before, but I'll, I'll, let's see if I can do that. And, and you know, then they can. And over time, they build up that sense of this is new and different, but I can figure it out. And that's such an important um, thing. And, you know, this is for me where that idea of the just noticeable difference really made a big uh, impact because I just didn't understand the fact that, you know, something was big for them, even if it didn't seem big for me. So. Oh, I think that is so important. It's a, it's a just noticeable difference. If it is to your child, if it's a big difference to them, that's really, really all that matters. Right. Do you ever, you know, when I think back on my son, you know, where he is now, I don't know if anybody else is like this, but I think sometimes I was just doing because I was just trying to get things done. And and it, I think I think sometimes that led to to not promoting independence in areas when he was younger, where he could have been independent, but I was doing. I don't know if anybody else is like that out there, but I and I had to realize, why am I doing this? I I, I it, it's that uh, mindfulness. Actually, I probably do that for everybody in the family. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not some kind of great service-oriented person. Don't get the wrong idea. Uh, but um, I, I do try to be efficient. And I just, if anybody struggles with that, uh, you're not alone. You're not alone, Sarah. Oh, my gosh, Kat. So true. I mean, I actually had, had to work on that with my therapist, like letting other people do some of the work and, and you know, being okay with the way they did it. That was the other piece, Right. Um, so just being okay. Yeah, maybe they didn't scrub the sink out quite as, you know, beautifully as I would, but you know what, they scrubbed the sink out a little bit, and it sure looks better than it did before they started scrubbing. And, and, you know, I don't want to go in behind them correcting what they're doing, because then they just feel like, why bother? Mom's just going to do it for me. But, you know, part of what happened for me is I actually kind of hit a wall, like I hit a wall of, um, I can't, I can't do all the things. I can't do all the chores and do all, you know, the stuff that keeps the house running. And I just, I like, I just cried uncle and said, I need help. And so I let them, you know, help me. Right. And, and so that's, it's such an important thing. I think so often parents say, you know, what you said, Kat really spoke to me that, you know, something is, um, uh, like you think, oh, it's just faster if I do it myself, which is true in the short term. But over the long haul, 
if your kids learn to do it themselves, it's going to save you a lot of time over the long haul. And so that's actually an investment in future happiness. But it is hard in the moment. You know, you think, oh, I'll just pack their lunch. It'll be fine. You know, whereas you have to get up 20 minutes earlier if you want them to pack their lunch because <laughs> it takes time were, to go. Were to you food. here? Were you spying on me in my house or something at that time? I think you were. <laughs> because it's exactly yeah. right. It's that efficiency, <laughs> right? You have to get up 20 minutes or, or, or do this before bed or, or whatever the case may be. Um, you yep. know, at that, and I think ensuring our children are developing resilience, which really is so important in the work we do in RDI, but can be hard because again, it's where does their resilience break down? It's analyzing that individual person, uh, and, and realizing that if they're not having trouble with something, it's probably not really testing their resilience and how to scaffold that. Um, and if I was to say one of the things that, you know, parents I've known a while with older children would say is they may sometimes feel like they just, they thought they were working on this, but it still can be an issue. Have you found this to be true? Yeah, for sure, Kat. I mean, it, it, um, it, that, that resilience is actually something that's so hard for both my kids, because they're very, they have high expectations for themselves. They want to do well. And I, this, this thing I see in a lot of my autistic clients also, which is that they have very high standards for themselves and they think they're supposed to be able to do things well the first time. Because when they look at me, like, you know, I know how to wash the hand dishes because I've washed hand dishes like my whole life, right? But, you know, I I have a lot of practice knowing how to look at, you know, every part of it. I actually, you know, run my hands over the surface of it to make sure there's no residual stuff. Um, you know, just lots of little tricks that I use to make sure the dishes are really clean. So my kids, like when I find a little spot on a dish, they're like, oh, I didn't do it right. You know, it's like, so just do it again. It doesn't matter. <laughs> you know? But, but you know, getting them to be okay with not doing it perfectly, right? So you're living that messier life and, you know, and, and then, you know, going back and trying again so that you can do it better next time. Just having the um, uh, resilience, I think, is the right word for that, to, to be able to go back in and say, okay, I'm going to try again and see if I can do better this time. Um, that, that is hard for a lot of kids and, and a lot of adults, frankly. I want I want to I want to pick your brain if I may because I know I know one of the questions I comes to my mind is I I know you've done some work with schools actually quite a bit how how challenging is it to get schools to work on these things kind of concurrently with you or to understand these principles um, I certainly hear a lot of of things from parents of the schools will have behavior problems because they're not scaffolding. Uh, they're they're working way way far ahead or than one step ahead. They're working like we talk about one step ahead. They're working like you know trying to work twenty steps ahead or hundred or whatever. Um, and in your experience, how how hard is it to coordinate all that with the schools? Well, I think the first step is realizing what teachers are coping with in the classroom. Um, you know, so they've got a bunch of kids and they're all at different levels and they're trying to 
provide a just right challenge for everybody in that room, it's not easy. It's really, really hard as a teacher. And also, at least here in the United States, um, what we expect of teachers has changed over the years. I think um, there's more emphasis on, uh, I'm, I'm blocking on it, but not dynamic thinking, but static skills, right? So memorizing things. And, and not necessarily understanding the why, but really just focusing on, you know, being able to go through the steps to solve the math problem, but not understanding why you're supposed to solve the math problem that way and really understand underneath it what the importance of it is. Um, so teachers are dealing with a lot. And what I find is they're very focused on kids, quote, mastering whatever so that they can perform well on a test rather than, and, and you know, they're graded on, on how they perform on state assessments and things. So this can be super, super challenging for teachers because they're being evaluated on that. And, and so when we try to bring RDI in, a lot of times they, it's almost, I, I, we had this experience the last round we did where we had these two teachers who didn't know what RDI was at the beginning, and they just really, they did not understand and they did not get it. Um, and it was only through working with us where we were doing things like, spot, you know, give the kid ownership, like let the kid solve the problem and feel those little moments, but don't just get them to repeat back to you what you've said to them. That's not learning, that's that's memorization. and. Um, these two teachers, by the end of the year, they said it had completely changed the way they felt about what education was really about, which is a big deal. And, um, but boy, it is really hard. And teachers really are doing the best they can. But it, I, my heart goes out to teachers. It is just a really hard job. And, and the things that are driving them are different than RDI goals, frankly. And and I, I honestly think this emphasis on static memorization as opposed to learning to be a thinker is is it's just part of the way education is is right now in the United States. So I'm hoping it's better around the world. <laughs> so. Well, I think you did such a beautiful job of explaining the obstacles for schools, and I know that's that's really help, helpful. Um, as as a person who's grown up literally with teachers in every facet of my life, um, including my in-laws who are both both teacher, hit math and history teacher, and uh, my mom and music, and my grandmother was a math whiz, and my great aunt who I knew very well was a principal, so was my great uncle. Um, you know, I value teachers so much, and I always think about that class, the, the classroom and so having so many students who are in need. But one of the things I want to, to finish in with here is, you know, if you're a parent and you get stuck, it's okay. My son is 30. Uh, we've, we've been helping him and moving him along for a long time. And sometimes you just have to do what I call a reboot. That's why I have the laptop here. Uh, you make a new list of goals. Uh, maybe, maybe kind of got dragged down and, and just weren't even having goals. That's okay. Make a new list. You can start afresh. It's not too late. You can talk to your school. 
um, I really believe that behind every obstacle, there is a possibility. I know that sounds very ideal, but I do think it's true. I tell my parents when something happens that is challenging and upsetting, that I know it's painful and an obstacle, but it also presents us with a lot of possibilities. Uh, and sometimes it's good to know things so that we can uh, figure out how to meet those needs and help our children live their best life, which is what we want to do. So um, I, I, I think our list has really helped think about that. And Sarah, I really appreciate your, your sharing. Any encouragement for parents? Yeah, you know, one of the things I love about this slide is that I always say, like, when you run into something, you get stuck or something isn't working the way you think it is, it's all data, right? It's just all data. Like, why is it not working? Let's figure it out. Let's explore. Let's see what we can do to, um, you know, that didn't work. Okay, let's try something different. We know why it didn't work. Okay, that helps us figure out what to do differently. So it's all data. And I, I I do think kind of um, for me with my kids getting um, getting them out of school actually has now allowed us to progress at a rate that makes sense for them, <laughs> and that's really refreshing. And thank you for joining us for Autism: A New Perspective, the podcast show where we help you understand what is going on in the mind of your child. And we always encourage you that growth for your child is possible. I'm Kat Lee. See you next time.